I need a little help. I need one person who doesn't mind sitting still for 10 minutes or so. Okay, Harley wants to do it. Harley's going to do it. All right, so Harley, bring your chair kind of up here near me. Okay, I need, I need you up near me here for this, this illustration. And I need two people to help tie him up. All right, Draven and Angela, because you were excited about it. Okay. Okay, so but the two of you together, hey, sticky side out so that we don't rip off his skin. Okay? Sticky side, sticky side out. Y'all are mean. Y'all are mean. Okay, Harley says it's okay. All right, so y'all, the two of you kind of do that. That's why I said sticky side out. I, I tried, Harley. I tried to help you. And your friends, your friends threw you under the bus. They totally just threw you under the bus. Okay. All right, so while they're doing that, y'all pay attention to me here. We're going to get into, uh, into the message. We've been in 1 Corinthians 13 talking about what is love. Not the legs. Leave the legs alone. Okay. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and so that's the chapter we have been in for quite a while now. Okay, hey, y'all, I, I really, this is happening. Yes, we're going to get to it, I promise, but I need you to be with me. And uh, tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, okay? Verse 5 is kind of going to be our focus tonight. And verse 5 says, it does not, and it is love, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. And that last chunk is what we're going to kind of focus on tonight is it keeps no record of wrongs. Now I want you to think, okay, that's probably good. That's, that's, that's enough for my illustration. Thank you. It keeps no record of wrongs. Quick question. What is the last thing that somebody did to you, and I just want you to think about this, that really hurt you? I don't necessarily need an answer, and I'm not necessarily just talking about like minor annoyances where that dude like took up two, two spots in the parking lot. I'm talking about the last time you were really physically or emotionally hurt or offended, okay? Like, so just kind of be thinking about that. The last time somebody did, maybe your friend stabbed you in the back, maybe, uh, maybe you're, uh, are, you, are you about to take a selfie? Okay, that's fine. You can take a selfie. Um, maybe uh, somebody, you know, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend cheated on you, something where you really got emotionally and, and or physically hurt, okay? So kind of be thinking about that. Now, when you, have an emo- when you have a moment like that or when something like that happens, what kind of emotions do you feel? Anger, yes. What else? Sadness, yes. I- Betrayal, okay. Yes, ma'am. Mad and broken, okay. What about confused? You ever get confused? You're like, why would you do that, right? You want to know Right? Because that's a big question. Like, why would you do that to me? Why would you do that? Okay. Okay. Revengeful. It kind of goes along with anger. I agree with that. Vengeful. So, again, I'm not just talking about dating relationships. I'm talking about anytime somebody has done anything to hurt you, um, that 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 was a big deal. So, the question then becomes when we're in that situation... How do we kind of get past that? Like, what do we, uh, how do we move on from that? Tonight we're going to talk about Joseph, okay? If you, uh, you know Joseph's story, Joseph was the youngest of 12 brothers. 
he had he had 12 older brothers and when Joseph was a young man he had a couple of dreams and the dreams basically worked out to this he dreamed that all of his brothers and his parents were going to bow down to him okay now those of you who have a younger sibling imagine your sibling came up to you and said hey one day you're going to bow down to me what would you do Slap them, punch them in the face, right? I'm hearing violent responses. Well, right, yeah, if you're the younger sibling, imagine what your big sibling would do. I know Kelsey would break you, yeah. Uh, Audrey would laugh in Amanda's face. That's probably true, too. Well, most of you got violent with that response, and that's exactly what Joseph's brothers did. They decide, hey, I know, let's kill him. Literally, they decide to kill him. Now, there's one brother who's got a little bit of compassion, and he says, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this well and then sell him to some slave traders. So that's what they do. They take his, they, uh, they, they take his fancy coat off that his dad had given him, and uh, they, they throw him in this pit, this hole, and they wait for some people to come by that they can sell him to. Okay? That's pretty harsh. It's pretty hardcore. Um, pretty angry. And then they went back and told the dad, hey, Joseph got killed by a bear or like a wild animal. Like they, they put some blood on the coat and they did. They went back to dad, to Jacob and said, okay, here's what happened. Joseph was killed by an animal. So that's, that, that's, that's Joseph's story. It's pretty harsh. Um, now the rest of Joseph's story is actually kind of cool because uh, he gets, tra- he goes with the slave traders. They sell him to these guys and he ends up in the house of a, of a pretty important guy in Egypt and working for that dude, and he's super trustworthy, and so he gets put in charge of that dude's whole, that dude's, I, I know y'all know this, but I'm just going to summarize it, okay? Thank you, JB Cures. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, they, uh, he ends up, like, put in charge. He's like Potiphar's second command, okay? Well, then Potiphar's wife lies about some stuff that he did, so now he got in trouble again. He gets thrown in jail. He uh, ends up being pretty good at interpreting dreams because of God's power, he ends up second in command over all of Egypt. So he's basically the vice president of Egypt. And at that time, Egypt was the most powerful country in the world. So he went through this thing where he got literally thrown in a pit, probably beaten up, although the Bible doesn't say that, but we all know that he, he probably got beat up. I mean, let's be honest. That's probably what happened. He got beat up, thrown in a pit, and sold into slavery. And it ends up working in this way where he ends up the vice president. Now, that's kind of a cool story. The fun part, though, comes in Genesis 45, and I'm not going to go through all this specific detail, where, uh, where his brothers show up needing his help. So the same brothers that had, that had sold him into slavery and beat the tar out of him, they show up in Egypt needing him to sell them some food because they don't have any food in, in, in their land, in Canaan. Okay, And so we get to... Uh, now, he, he plays with them. He kind of messes with them. He trolls them a little bit, which is fun because I would do that too. Like, he messes with them. They show up, and he pretends he doesn't know them, and he speaks to a translator. And, uh, and so he scares the tar out of them. Like, he makes them, he, he, puts, he, he puts his cup in their sack and sends them on their way and then accuses them of stealing it. Like, they, it's kind of mean, but we would all do it probably. And so he gets, uh, we would, like, he, just, he messes with them a little bit, you know. And so, uh, in the end, he reveals himself to them, and they're like, oh, my goodness, it's our brother. All these years after we sold him into slavery, all this stuff, now all of a sudden he has all this power, and we need his help. So that's where they end up, okay? Now, at some point during these years, and, and it's not real specific when this happened, but Joseph decided to forgive his brothers, okay? starting We're going to be in Genesis 50. I'm going to read verses 15 through 21. 
It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So they beat him up. They throw him in a pit. He gets sold into slavery. Ends up in prison later. And yet he's forgiven these guys that started this whole chain. Okay? And yeah, he messed with them a little bit, but... But he has forgiven them. He says, don't worry. And, and, you know, they said that their dad said this. He probably didn't. Like, J- like Jacob probably did not say, you know, send that message. They're probably just trying to, trying to get. So we're going to look a little bit at forgiveness because Joseph is a great example of forgiveness. Okay? And we're going to talk about some characteristics of what forgiveness looks like and how we can apply it to our life. First off, forgiveness takes the focus off of me. You see, What does he say in verse 19? They're all freaking out, and he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And Joseph is looking at himself, and it would be very easy for him to to have, you know, all this unforgiveness and bitterness, and it would be super easy for him to, to just come down on him. But he doesn't. He says, you know what? God is the one whose job it is to to judge, and if I judge you guys, then I am putting myself in the place of God. When we refuse to forgive, we put ourselves above God. Okay, when we refuse to forgive somebody, we put ourselves above God. Now, uh, because God forgave us. Okay, we know that God forgave us. When Jesus was dying on the cross, what did he say? Father, do what? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Right? Jesus when he was going through the worst death in history, he said, Father, forgive them. And so when we refuse to forgive, what we're doing is we're looking at God and we're saying, God, I appreciate what you did for me. Okay, but I'm not going to do that for somebody else. You did it for me. I don't think I can do that for anybody else, though. That's what happens when we refuse to forgive. So when we, when we forgive, we t- we get, it's, it's selfless. It's taking our own desires and putting them away because I know it's hard to forgive. Okay, holding a grudge only hurts one person, and that's you. It's like drinking poison and hoping your enemy gets sick. Okay? Being, being bitter and not forgiving is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else gets sick. Okay, that doesn't work like that. Because when we're not forgiven, that other, when we don't forgive somebody else, a lot of times that person doesn't care whether or not they're forgiven. And so they're not in a bad place, but we are bitter and angry and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Here's the second point about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not fair. I mean, you guys, when you're a little kid, you say your parents would do something. Mom and Dad, that's not fair. What did they say back? Life's not fair, right? The fair is a place you go to ride rides, you know? If God treated us fair, we'd all be in trouble, okay? God was not fair to us. We don't deserve grace and mercy, and so thankfully, God is not fair to us, and so we cannot, uh, we cannot hope for fairness in life, because if we hope for fairness in life, we're all in trouble, and therefore, when it comes to our turn to forgive somebody else, we shouldn't look for fairness, because then we'd all be in, in a world of hurt, okay? So... 
we need to get a little bit uh, specific here about how to forgive and what that means when it comes time for us to forgive. Like, we've, you know, when it comes time for us to forgive somebody else, what are kind of some ways that that looks like, okay? Well, here's one thing. Here's one of the biggest things, I think. Forgiveness means that they don't owe me anything anymore. Forgiveness is a release of debt, okay? And, and it doesn't just have to be, be money. What, what do we expect when somebody does something wrong to us? What do we expect them to do for us? To apologize, sure. Okay, that's the obvious one. Anything else? Pour you something to drink, okay? Expect them to try and make it up to you somehow. Okay, yeah. What what'd you say, Hope? Pay back money? If you know, I mean, hey, if my car gets hit, right, I'm gonna want that person to pay for it probably. Yes, Hope. Or uh Ashton, I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, again, talking about paying it back, right? You make them do something for you, apologize. If it's a kind of relationship, dating kind of thing, maybe you expect them to spend more time with you now because they got to make up for that time they did whatever else, okay? We expect them to pay us back, but forgiveness does not require payback. If you notice in, or if you read through the story in Genesis, at no point do Joseph's brothers apologize. At no point do they apologize. They come, they say, hey, we need your help. But they never say, hey, we're sorry about beating you up and selling you into slavery. They never do that. Well, no, but even once they did, even after they know who it is, they never apologize to him. They ask for his help. No, no they don't apologize. They, they say, we're your slaves. They say, we'll do, well, you know, you can do stuff to us, but they never say, we're sorry. They never say, we apologize for what they did. Okay, so forgiveness does not expect repayment. Forgiveness is to let go of that debt. All right, forgiveness lets go. Now, here's number two, and here's probably the biggest one and the hardest one, I think, um, is that forgiveness forgets. Okay, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, You know, you get in a fight with your brother or sister, and they bring up that stupid thing you did when you were little kids, right? Like, you bit me that time. Like, yeah, I was, I was six. You know, that happens. But, right, that's not forgiveness, okay? How many of you ever either have been in the case where either you did this to somebody else or somebody else did this to you where you're in an argument, and they brought up something that happened a long time ago, okay? I see Harley's hand is attempting to go up underneath his, 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 his chains here. Um, his foot's up. Right? That's not, that's not real forgiveness. At no point, you know, Joseph doesn't go, you remember what you guys did to me 20 years ago? He doesn't do that. He says, hey, don't be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, so don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he spoke kindly to them. Okay? He Say what? That's true. I mean, God did work it for good in this situation. If they hadn't sold him into slavery, he would not have ended up the vice president, the, the right-hand man to Pharaoh. And so, so, uh, so, so it did work out. But it's super easy for us to continually bring up the past. I mean, that's very easy for us to do. And I have a habit, you know, I think we all probably have this habit at times. Um, but Joseph doesn't blame his circumstances on his brothers. And it's easy for us to do that. Sometimes we say that we've forgiven somebody, and maybe we don't bring it up to them, but we talk about what happened to everybody else. Like, oh, you know, you might not bring it up to that person, but whenever you're talking to somebody else about that person, like, oh, man, this one time he did this to me or she did that to me. Okay, that's not right either. That's not forgetting. Okay, forgiveness 
forgets, and we can't do that. Now, I want to say this. I want to throw this out there. Forgiveness does not mean putting yourself in a position to get hurt by that person again, okay? If I'm in a business partnership and that dude steals all my money, I may forgive him, but I'm not going to open a bank account with him. Like, you know, like, you know, if, you know, if, Imagine a situation where a pedophile guy, you know, there's a registered pedophile sex offender. He comes to church. He gets saved. God works in his life. We're still not putting him in the kids' ministry. Like, it's just not going to happen, okay? It's not. Okay, we have, you know, we, we don't want to necessarily put ourselves in that situation to get hurt again. But it does mean that we don't hold it against them and we don't continue to bring it back up, okay? So we kind of need to be aware of that. You know, this isn't about allowing ourselves to be repeatedly hurt. You know, I mean, if you're in a relationship and that dude cheats on you or that girl cheats on you three or four times, dump him and leave him. Don't, you know, don't keep letting them do that to you. All right? Don't keep letting that happen. That's, that's stupid, and that's not guarding your heart. Uh, and so we have to do be aware of that. But we can forgive and, 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 and still be careful about things, Okay? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we, ha- when we withhold forgiveness, when we refuse to forgive somebody, what we do is we trap ourselves. Okay? Because we are caught in this web of thinking about this thing and of, and of worrying about this thing while the other person is not necessarily. And so all we've done is trapped ourselves. But when we forgive, we get freedom. When we forgive, we get freedom from that thing that has been done to us. Let's hit the video. amazing. Uh, we usually get together every once in a while to see what's going on in each other's lives. Just recently, a couple months ago, I just got married, and uh, Eric's been just full of advice uh, to really help my marriage out um, and really keep God the center. Matthew and I have a great friendship. Uh, he's just he's a great guy. We get together and, and get to talk about what God's doing in our lives, uh, what's going on at work, what's going on at home, just just everything about life we share together. There's a, there's a bond, there's a there's a camaraderie um, that's there that's, I think, just unique. The, the, the memories that we have, the things that we've shared have just been um, amazing. Um, to be honest, I wish that our friendship would have started under different circumstances. I work as a firefighter EMT. Um, I was just finished uh, getting off a 24-hour shift. Uh, we had an extremely busy shift. Um, I really only got about 30 minutes of sleep. I drove home and uh, I didn't really feel the need that I I needed to pull over. So about two miles from my house, um, I ended up falling asleep at the wheel and crossing the center line and uh, hitting an oncoming car head on. 
I had just woken up uh, that morning and, and I heard a, a pounding on the front door. And so I went to see what was going on and uh, the senior pastor from my church where I serve, Jeff, was there. He had told me that my wife and my daughter had been in a car accident, that I need to get my keys, get my cell phone, get my wallet, and let's go. So I grabbed my stuff, we jumped in the truck, we went to the hospital. When we got to the hospital, uh, the chaplain met us uh, at the emergency room and kind of walked us to the counseling room. The doctor began to share kind of what had happened, that June had sustained um, severe head trauma um, and, and some broken bones, and, and the steering column had actually been uh, crushed in towards her abdominal area. And due to the injuries that she sustained, um, that she had gone into cardiac arrest almost immediately, uh, the EMTs um, did everything that they could uh, on the way to the hospital to try to do aggressive CPR and, and keep her going. But when they got to the hospital, um, they, they pronounced her dead. Um, my wife was also pregnant, uh, almost seven months pregnant uh, with our son, and, um, and we lost him as well. Faith, uh, who was 19 months old at the time, was also in the car, but amazingly, uh, she came out of it with, uh, with no injuries, just some mild abrasions and some bruises. Um, hearing, hearing the news, uh, just trying to process it, not only did I lose uh, my wife and my best friend, but I also lost a son. <clears throat> I went outside uh, to call my mom and tell her what had happened, and it's the most difficult phone call I've ever had to make. So here I was, I just had the worst day of my life. I opened my Bible and I was just like, okay, God, you know, what do you have? I just lost my wife. I lost my son. And I remember uh, a sermon that I'd heard oh, years ago just came back to my mind. And it was talking about how that, that there's, there's a bigger picture uh, going on. And that we have a tendency to, to look at our lives as little three by five snapshots. And we tend to get focused on, you know, whether our three by five is okay or not. And, and, and we lose sight of the fact that God is doing bigger things. His story is bigger than just ours, that he paints on the canvas the size of the universe. It was a turning point. I, I think it saved my life because if I was left to my own devices, my own ability to figure things out, I probably would have just crawled into my bed and just hid. Initially, I went through every emotion possible. Uh, it was really hard for me to come to grasp of how this could have happened to me and why this happened to me. I was a good kid. I was raised in a Christian home and how this could happen to Eric and his family, um, him being a youth pastor and really living his life for the Lord. Uh, for the first couple weeks afterwards, um, it really broke me down to the lowest of the low. And uh, one night I just, I threw my hands up in the air and I just gave up and I said, God, I need your help. And, and I'm really trusting you and putting all my faith in you that you had a reason for this and that you do have a plan. And it was that, that moment when it was like he placed his hand on my shoulder wrapped me in a blanket of comfort. Initially it was tough not being able to talk to Eric because of legal issues. All I wanted to do was to make sure that he was okay and express my emotion and sorrow to him and I couldn't. Uh, all everybody could tell me is that, that Eric was praying for me and wishing comfort upon me and I really couldn't understand that but I knew that that was God working through him. I got a call from the Solicitor General, and uh, she was wanting to know how I wanted to pursue the case against Matthew. I could push for the maximum penalty, which possibly would have meant jail time, but would have definitely eliminated um, 
any hope of him being a firefighter in the future, or I could opt for a lesser charge. And I remember thinking that this, this would be a wonderful opportunity um, for God to get glory and for Christ to be um, lifted up. Uh, it's not gonna bring June back. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm certain he struggles every day, you know, just having to think through what happened. So I just decided to opt for the lesser charge uh, as an opportunity, again, to, to demonstrate God's forgiveness and God's love. The day before the two-year anniversary of the accident, I still had not spoken to Eric. I stopped at Poe's to get him a card, just let him know that I was thinking about him and praying for him and his family. As I got out of my truck to walk into the store, I saw Eric walking towards me. There were just tears uh, streaming down his face. I, I, just, I just walked up to him and I gave him a hug and um, we embraced for a short time. And then I began to share with him kind of what God had taught me uh, these past two years and, and about the big perspective that, you know, that God had given me. Um, he began to share what was on his heart and it was just, there was a connection. Um, there, there was a bond that was immediately developed. Um, and we talked for an hour and a half to two hours and it was just a, it was a beautiful time where we shared um, just experiencing God's grace, God's healing, the power of forgiveness, restoration. Um, I communicated to him a desire that I had to, to stay involved in his life, to, to invest in a relationship with him from this point forward. And he immediately um, echoed the same sentiment to me that that was something he had desired as well. And we wanted to just stay in touch and continue to grow in, in our relationship with each other as we continue to grow with, with God. And, it was just to me amazing how God orchestrated all of this uh, together. I mean, we happened to be at the same place on the same day to talk for the first time. And I remember thinking, had we not met uh, and had this conversation, we wouldn't be where we are today. In fact, it was an opportunity that God used to not only heal and bless us, but we feel like it's gonna be one that he uses to heal and bless others as well. All I remember is Eric telling me that he wasn't mad at me and that he didn't blame me. And all I can tell him, could tell him is how sorry I was. God has taught me through Eric the power of forgiveness, the healing through forgiveness, and his faithfulness. Me and Eric now share a bond that is unbreakable. And through Eric's friendship, my life has forever changed. Now, don't think this is a rainbows and butterflies kind of story. Um, it's, been a, it's been a rough road. It's been a lot of lonely nights. Tremendous pain, um, thoughts of uncertainty and, and frustration. There's not a day that goes by that I don't wish June was still here. But through it all, God has been with me. You know, I never would have wanted to endure what I went through, and I never want to feel that way again. But I am who I am today because of what God has done in me through these circumstances. And for that, I'm thankful. You know, one thing I've learned from this whole experience is this, is that God is faithful. And that when our little bit of faith would intersect with His faithfulness, God shows up big and does some amazing things in us and through us. You hear that story and you see those guys talk about, especially that youth pastor, whose son unborn son and wife were killed. And yeah, it, was, it wasn't malicious, it wasn't on purpose, but still, immediately he chose to forgive. 
He allowed God to teach him something that, that he couldn't have learned otherwise probably. And he's experiencing that freedom. You know, you could see in his face, yes, like he said at the end, yes, sometimes, you know, it still hurts. He said, I still miss June every day. But you could see it in his eyes and you could hear it in his voice. He's not chained back. You see, Jesus promised to give us life more abundant. He wants us to have an abundant life. There's churches all over the world called Abundant Life, whatever. Abundant Life Assembly of God is a bunch of those. Because that's what God promised us. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and give you life more abundant, life to the full. But unforgiveness holds us back from that, and unforgiveness leads to unfruitfulness in our lives. When we forgive, we get free. We know that God has forgiven us. And forgiven people forgive people. Ephesians 4.32, this is the last verse I'm going to read. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, God has forgiven us, and therefore, we need to forgive others. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about somebody who you need to forgive. And if you can't think of anybody right now, that's awesome. File this message away because one day you're going to have to. One day you're going to have to forgive somebody. And I'm going to pray, and I just want you to begin to pray that God would help you to do that, that God would help you not to expect a repayment from that person, that God would help you to, to forgive that debt, and, and that God would help you to, to forget, that God, you know, that it would not be something that's brought up over and over and over, and, and bitterness be held in your heart towards that person. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you, God, would soften our hearts. God, that when we're hurt by somebody around us, you would help us to forgive, even when it seems impossible. Lord, that you would help us to forgive. God, let us not be bitter. Let us not be trapped in the web of bitterness and unforgiveness. God, but do something in us that we cannot do in ourselves. And Lord, I just pray. God, I pray right now, Lord, that what, whoever is in each student's mind, Lord, whoever it is that popped in, the face that popped into their mind's eye, the name, God, that, of the person they need to forgive, Lord, that they would do that. It might be a friend. It might be a teacher, a, an adult in their life that they feel has wronged them. Lord, let us not hold grudges. Let us not be trapped in the prison of our own unforgiveness. But I pray freedom on each student's life. I pray right now, God, that you would help us to show mercy to those around us just like you have shown mercy to us. Even when it's difficult, even when we don't understand it, Lord, you forgive us and you have loved us. Even when you were on the cross, in the middle of, of taking our sin on your back, you said, Father, forgive them. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be the same, God. Let us reflect you. Let us imitate you in forgiveness. God, that you would soften our hearts. Put people around us to encourage us in this way. And let us be an encouragement to those around us in the same way. God, I pray freedom. 
through forgiveness. Freedom from bitterness and from hurt and from anger and from the things that can control us and keep us from living the abundant life that you came to give us. Pray that we would walk in that abundant life, that full life, where the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, I pray that you would bless each student, Lord, in every possible way. And God, above all, that you would draw us closer to you. Let us be more like you. Let us be better imitators of you each and every day, God. Lord, that you would work in our hearts and make us more like you. God, we thank you. We love you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.